Oh man. Uh, so I gotta, just because of our, our guest here, I'm going to start with a quick little anecdote. So, um, my first cologne or fragrance ever was, um, and you'll have to, uh, Jack, you'll have to tell me if this is, if this one's any good or not, but, uh, um, <laughs> was Calvin Klein euphoria for men. And- um, I don't know the men's one. I know the, the women's one. I generally like, uh, Calvin Klein fragrances. They're generally pretty good. Um, but I'm less familiar with them after the early 2000s. Okay. Yeah. And I think this was like a, this was like a Macy's like front of the store one where like, I think mm-hmm. my mom, I, like I told my mom, I like wanted to smell good. Cause I wanted to like meet a girl in high school or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she was just like, but now I did meet women. However, they were 57 years old when I was 17, when I, when I was, when I was right. Yeah. I was, I was working at a, at a grocery store and I was like bagging the uh groceries and this, this chick's like what is that haunting aroma like she said something like that like some, yeah it was haunting so i was like that's cool i'm down with that like and then uh and then i was like oh it's a it's me i think it's me you know i mean it, like I, I was gonna take credit for it even if it wasn't me and she said uh oh is it what like what is it i was like it's you uh calvin klein euphoria for men she goes well i'm in euphoria like that mm-hmm. said, would <laughs> you like amazing. help out with your would you like help out with your groceries man Haunting yes. is probably the highest compliment it's you can get for a fragrance. That's uh, what what you go for, what you aim for. Yeah. From the five to the six, we be in the mix with that rare candy paint job on the whip. I need food for the kids, money for the rent. Fuck a lockdown, baby, I can't do that shit. And I'll never vote, cause I'm fucking broke. And either way, I know the police ain't gonna leave me alone. On a plane, by the visit Glen Rock, me crypto told me I should bring the Glock with me. So I packed up my piece and I'm sliding. Cause we might get caught up in a riot. Middle finger Trump, middle finger Biden. Fuck a left, fuck a right, is you riding? We love to see it, dudes rocking. Ain't no politics, baby, we just talking. From the birds to the bricks, we be in the mix. With that rare candy paint. Sai, did you ever use Cologne? No, never. Um, you know what I want? I want to find a, maybe you can help me with this, uh, Jack. I want like a fucking. I love that that amaretto almond smell. Is there like a men's perfume with that focuses on that shit? You know. Ooh, <laughs> that, I that am. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm like thinking a bakery, of like a yeah, gluten-free bakery or something. Yeah. Hers Luton's Araby uh, smells Ooh. kind of amaretto, uh, like yes. herbal bitters. Also, it's yes. very like, like Christmassy. It's a really Wait, cool. Let me Google that. What's that one? That's uh, Serge Luton's Araby. A R A B I E. Okay. Araby. Yeah, Arab. It's pretty crazy. I'm, uh, I'm sure there are some almondy men's ones. I'm thinking the first almond thing I think of is hypnotic poison for women, which is very, uh, it's like root beer, almond, mm. vanilla, Ooh. play-doh. I'm more familiar in general with uh, women's sense of the uh-huh. last like 20 years. Um, but a lot of Serge Luton's have a kind of like amaretto flavor to them. I got to be honest. I, I knew the name, the, te- the surname Perfume Nationalist. I literally thought that was just a name. I didn't know you actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, yeah, it's dude. crazy. Like, Cause I, I, I've been like mutuals with Jack for a while on Twitter, but like, and I'd always liked his appearances on other podcasts, but I was like, dude, I don't want to listen to a fucking podcast about perfume. I've had like two fragrances in my life. Like, what am I going to, like, you know what I mean? Like just in my head, I'm going to do that. And then all of a sudden, um, he has uh, a few people on that I like. 
And then I'm like, okay, I'm subscribing. Like, what the fuck? This is amazing. Like, uh-huh. I'm, I'm like listening. And the art of like a really good podcast, if I could show for you here for a sec, Jack, is is the art of a really like a really good show is like when you don't give a fuck about the subject. You know yeah. what I mean? Like when you when yeah. you when people are just like, I don't know what they're talking about, but it's an interesting conversation. And then after a while, you understand what the hell they're talking about. Uh-huh. And then absolutely, almost, yeah. I, th- I think that's genuinely an advantage uh, and something I look for when listening to podcasts and. Uh, people have this idea that since we're talking about perfume and cinema, that they like need to be familiar with the subject beforehand mm-hmm. uh, because of the like stupid 2010s spoiler alert mentality. And it, that's not how it's intended at all. And in fact, some of my favorite podcasts like uh, Thought Topics and I'm So Popular, oh, yes. they're talking about uh, stuff that I have literally no idea what it is. And I find, <laughs> especially like K-pop and like J-pop. Yeah. And I just yeah. find it like, pure and relaxing to hear people go on and uh about something that i have no familiarity with so it's like extra exotic yeah and and like you and and your brother orton like you've known like you have you have a chemistry where it doesn't take like 50 episodes for you guys to like oh my gosh now i know this guy you know what i mean like like him and i like Sai and i have known each other since we were in eighth grade like it's it's when we start a show it's it wasn't like and you're, you're vested. You're fine. If maybe at first you don't have a lot of listeners, like you're fine. Cause you're just like, well, I'm doing this cause it's fun with my friend. You it's know like what I mean? It's like a phone call. Because, yeah. It's yeah, not yeah, like this Twitter thing. operation where you're like, we have to buy this date. We have to have yeah. this uh, done and, and we have to have X amount of subscribers or something. And right. Our first episode was literally the first phone conversation we had about the podcast. That rocks. That's so sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so uh, sick. Yeah. And you, Really, in order to have a podcast and attract any kind of audience, um, you have to do it just for fun for a long time like that. And that's the only way. Like you can't, a few years ago, there was this kind of mentality, this like post come town mentality where everybody thought they could have, they were charming and smart and funny enough to (laughs) have a podcast with no subject, talking about nothing and like start the Patreon day one. Yeah. And charge yeah. people for it. It's like, no, you you should do it like a year for free just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, you happens. suck. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Figure out yeah. that you suck. You know what I mean? Like figure yeah. out that you suck. And if you do suck, fi- find out if like this is maybe just more therapeutic for you or if maybe this is something you want to keep doing. And then eventually, like if you're not begging for people to listen, like if it's good enough, a few people will find you. You know what I mean? And and then after yeah. that, it compounds and. Yeah. So, but in regards to the perfume thing, genuinely, every single person that is a listener or fan of it now, they were, aside from like five people, they didn't have a pre existing interest in perfume. And everyone has the same thought. Like, I can't listen to people talk about perfume for the first like hour of the podcast. And many such cases, every single one, they end up getting really into it and buying all this stuff because they want to know what we're talking about and uh like in fact people who were already into perfume before they heard it uh, tend to dislike it (laughs) yeah uh because they have their own Uh, ideas of what perfumes are supposed to be talking about and Mm -hmm. think that we only talk about like old lady stuff (laughs) yeah yeah because i have like such a 
like even for the film aspect of it, like you you had Adam Lear on on one mm-hmm. uh, on a couple episodes, but I think the one was Michael Hanek Haneke was the director you guys focused on on one episode. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I'm get confusing who you had on. Yeah, it was Piano I, Teacher and L. And uh, I, we, my wife and I just watched Piano Teacher like two nights ago, and like I and I'm starting to understand what you and Adam say that spoilers are a spoiler alerts are neoliberal psyops that like i'm starting to understand like i mean which like it's funny because like it's something you say but it's definitely something adam says but you guys like that's like i'm like okay these are the two people that i probably trust most for like film recommendations like and it makes sense because i kind of knew certain things that happened in that film but you guys don't exactly like and in this moment it happens here in this moment yeah when you guys don't really like break it down like that it's more of like a deep dive plot analysis yeah yeah it's dumb to do that so like it's I, we just watched that the other night, so I mean, I'm just laughing because you and you and Adam like have probably curated me and my wife's like movie nights for the last oh, like, couple. Wonderful. months. I'm really happy that we have people watching Showa right now. That <laughs> that have, that's, seeing that's all these crazy. pictures posted of like uh, guys in their early 20s with the Criterion Collection Showa <laughs> Blu-ray, um, nine-hour Holocaust documentary, yeah, <laughs> yeah for fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah, spraying themselves with fragrance while yes. they're watching it yeah <laughs> i know yeah who would have thought yeah uh yeah. but like knowing spoilers and hearing about like the plot structure of things beforehand is actually helpful beneficial when with literature especially uh like difficult literature um there are so few movies that i can think of that are actually better when you have no idea what's going in going in what's going on rather uh martyrs is the biggest example but Mm -hmm. still i knew most of what happened to martyr happened in martyrs when i first watched it and it didn't ruin my enjoyment but um it's just how you learn about things like the the spoiler mentality arose in the early 2010s with the marvel uh, franchise takeover where everybody was suddenly a nerd obsessed with plot. I've always hated plot. Um, I think that the best way to watch any movie is to simply stare at it and zone out and see what you're left with. Um, and then if you want to really examine the plot, uh, do that later, like watch it again. But with any like difficult movie or literature, you just leave your eyes on the screen or scan your eyes over the words and see what you're left with. Yeah. I yeah, it's agree. not 1959 anymore, you know. There's yeah. there's a lot of other factors at play for a good mm-hmm. work of art. And mm-hmm. since everyone's on their phone all the time and watching movies is such such a fragmented activity that like watching a 2-hour movie at home takes like 4 hours oh, because the dude. number of times that you fucking pause it and go to the bathroom and like Yeah, who's this the guy? Laundry. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's already so fragmented. It's just how things are. But when you think about it, that's how watching like television was and watching movies was in the old days. Like people would arrive at like a double feature, like halfway through the movie TV screens programs were only on once at a certain time on these tiny little screens. Like it's people have always consumed media with like half attention. Yeah. And I also wonder too, back then how much like, you know, right now after coming out of the like, covid and stuff like that like you don't a lot of people still aren't back to like work and stuff but i'm I, I i'm just you know speculating here but i bet back in you know 1957 if you missed whatever the hell was on at that time you you might get filled in at the water cooler at work you might like be like oh yeah uh, oh you, did, you missed the first 10 minutes yeah oh man yeah oh well, it was this this and this but like 
now we just have like Twitter where you just get people's take on it. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. have anybody like, uh, oh, and then this. Oh, do you remember that part? You, nobody like really does that. It's more so this show fucking sucks. I hate when they do this or this. Uh, this movie was terrible. Um, and yeah, it's it's uh, I don't know. To me, it's like I it's funny because like remember, like, I don't Jack, I think you're like maybe a couple years older than this. I'm, I'm, I'm 31, 34. OK, 31. So it's nec- somewhat the same generation. And um, you when I was younger, it was like, well, the TV fucks up your attention. You know what I mean? Like the TV fucks up your attention span. Not too much TV, not too many video games ruins books for you. But like also now, like your phone ruins movies. So like a screen can ruin another screen for you, which is insane. Yeah, <laughs> your phone ruins everything. Your phone ruins your life. It ruins yeah. <laughs> it ruins movies like I will just sit in parking lots and be late to everything because I'm just fucking like tweeting in the parking <laughs> lot like yeah. uh yeah it, ru- it ruins your attention span for everything like back in the 90s if you before like complete season dvd releases of tv shows where you got every episode then for like 150 dollars uh if you got into a tv show uh, after it had started, your only chance of seeing older episodes was in reruns or if they put out like a VHS tape of three episodes. And yeah. so you're always like piecing together these fragments. You can never really get the whole picture as you can today with TV shows, which are like 12 episodes a season. They're always available on streaming for free. Um, yeah, it's just it's just very different. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move to the meat of the discussion today. The uh, the the meat too, if you will. Uh, the let's so our now now with the perfume nationalists, you guys have a few like institutions that you refer to a lot. You know, what I mean, you have your Dallas, your Knotts Landings, your your things like that 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 you might call back to even in something that really has nothing to do with those shows. Uh, mm. We're going to talk about Me Too movement and the ripple effect of it today. That was kind of why we invited you on, but um, it kind of sparked us you know we've always had the way we felt about it has always been you know kind of like what the fuck is this shit but dave portnoy is an institution for us uh i the reason i literally like even care about like putting a microphone in front of me is because of joe rogan and dave portnoy and uh, a couple espn broadcasters i'm a, a sports guy and and you know dave portnoy is kind of like one of the most hated guys in sports because sports is now run by Elizabeth Warren supporters, which it's true. Like it's mm-hmm. no, it's awful. It's the most awful thing in the world. They'll be like, wow, a black quarterback didn't get uh, the penalty there and stuff. And it's like, that's all sports Twitter is now, but you have guys like Dave Portnoy who just don't give a shit about any of that. And they don't really say a lot of things that are overtly racist or wrong or anything, but just the fact that they don't go along with the slippery slope of just like basically just, you know, crying on Twitter about sports and like not crying about the emotions of the game, but crying about just all the aesthetics of it. And, Oh, that referee's white. Uh, like, and it's like a little white guy and stuff on, on TV, but yeah, viewing they, sports as a, a tool for utopian social yeah. justice propaganda. Facts. Ex- thank you for summing up my stupid rant in like a sentence. That's exactly <laughs> what that was. So um, the, the court- I'm sorry. And if, if you're a sports guy, it's like, it's like, it's not about the sports anymore. So you're like, what the fuck is happening? Everything's sports like, are not libtarded. Sports Twitter is. I tell that every time. Cool. If you there are like, like you know, Jack, you're a Texas guy. Like, there's Texas mm-hmm. high school football guys. They're not libtarded. Like, the, none of them are. But like, they <laughs> also don't have Twitter accounts where they like. I mean, if they do, it's like 
no picture, three followers, and they're just replying to, you know, ESPN, you know, yelling at them and stuff. But the Dave Portnoy was the type of guy. He was he was an like a throwback guy, like uh, just a throwback sports guy. Shock jock. I would say he's like the Rush Limbaugh type situation of sports. He runs Barstool Sports, which has basically been reduced to there are like women journalists that say Barstool enables frat rape. Like, no joke. Yeah. They're just like frat rape. It just enables frat rape. Like you can pin them. You can find them guilty of frat rape for basically just putting out, putting on their own frat parties, which is like, OK, like, no, that's not the case. But Dave Portnoy himself got. Uh, uh, I don't know. He's not been charged with anything, but you don't have to be charged with this stuff nowadays. Like you can no. just you can just be a just the witch hunt accusation does the work straight up. So I'll go into some of the charges with this guy. And again, we're not focusing on Portnoy. This is just what what exactly got. Uh, this shit rolling was the uh, these women. And now Dave Portnoy is about 43 years old. And, you know, typically his target woman as a 43 year old sports guy worth about a, I would say he's worth about a half a billion dollars is 20 year old Instagram models. Um, and I, you know, whatever, you know, and he says uh, a bunch of women are saying like there's one story where uh, this girl named Madison, which if there's ever a girl that's going to meet to you, Oof. it's somebody named Madison. Madison, I just, Erica. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Says after dinner, they started kissing. Madison said she first became uncomfortable when Portnoy pulled out his phone and started filming her without asking permission as she performed oral sex on him. I never said anything. I was scared. He was just so mean from there. Things escalated until, as Madison put it, I felt like I was just a human sex doll. Two days later, Madison texted a close friend. It was so rough. I felt like I was being raped. He ta- he spit in my mouth and choked me until I couldn't breathe. Um, and nowhere does it say the sex was not consensual, by the way, in, in any of this. And uh, and then she's like, it's so it's so painful. And he was just mean. And it's like, I'm sorry. But what that is, is that it's erotica. <laughs> uh the only allowable way for people to process human sexuality in the me too era is to phrase it as uh rape accusations where they evade culpability and responsibility for their own situations and that's uh foisted off onto some vague nebulous uh systemic power imbalance um but that is just straight up erotica which uh, as an editor, a copy editor of Erotica for three years, I lived in the minds and vaginas of women and know exactly what makes them tick uh, 24 hours a day. Uh, and this has been a running theme since the start of Me Too and even before when there was that Rolling Stone article about, uh, first of all, they in the mid 2010s, they revived the campus rape panic of the early 90s, which uh, my idol Camille talks about a lot about in Garden American Culture and Vamps and Tramps. Um, So they brought this back and there was this Rolling Stone article written by an anonymous woman, which read just like that. And it was this ritualistic, almost satanic gang rape by hot white chads in a frat house and it was proven to be completely false and made up. Mm-hmm. And did she pay for any of that? No, it was just as with everything liberals do, it was just dismissed. And then um, 
Me Too came around and just escalated from there. And we're in this current moment where you feel absolutely nothing uh, because when these accusations come out because they're so far divorced from the actual concept of rape, which everyone knows what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the end effect yeah, of Me Too is that no one takes rape seriously anymore and won't for many years. That's the thing, because because like 90, I'm going to say 99, if not more percent of dudes like are horrified by the concept of rape, you know, like actually. And there's one percent of dudes that are like, you know, maybe or whatever the percentage is, they legit are like the real rapists, you know, the ones that will actually do the do the fucking gnarly deed. And then so like this whole time we're like, I remember the beginning of all this. We're like, oh, my God, you raped, you know, and all this shit. And we thought it was like. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of this this language game that was played, and I think that red pills a lot of dudes like really quickly. Where you know where it's like, wait, we're not talking about the same thing here. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. How how is Camila uh, Polly? It's Paulia, right? That's like the real yeah. way to say it. How is she so based, man? Like like I yeah. Like, uh, so, well, she foresaw every single aspect of present culture thirty years ago because her. Her, her vision, her scope is so incredibly vast that she yeah. just sees what all this stuff is. And all of it is repeated from the 90s, like campus rape panics repeated from the 90s. Uh, like cancel culture in general, like the first wave of political correctness came in the 80s and 90s, and she was responsible for that. And feminism mm. uh, was a joke for about 20 years. It was just like, hairy legged academics uh you know in portland or new york <laughs> who didn't who were thought of as ridiculous by people even in mainstream media and they didn't affect things in this way and it, it, like no girl i knew although like smart like grade grubber girls who are currently covid libtards uh like they hated the word feminist and they would be like i'm not a feminist i don't identify with that yeah. in the 2000s and then feminism was brought back by Jezebel and this new snarky, glib, uh, clickbait friendly kind of feminism brought all of that back. Yeah, it's what I I've I'm, I don't think I coined this term, but I, what I've heard is like it's like BuzzFeed pop fem, feminism. You know, it's it's yeah yeah clickbait. Yeah, it's crazy. And like Jezebel feminism was like a forerunner of the irony leftism and the dirtbag left stuff that we see on Twitter now. Oh, yeah where they mask over their lack of knowledge and lack of sincere engagement with any issue uh, with this glaze of like irony and uh, like nothing is serious if they declare it not serious. It's only serious when they want it to be and everything's a joke. Yeah. And it's, it was immediately appealing to young girls because it offers a, an exciting way to understand the world. And it feels like when they discovered it, it feels like being red pilled, you know, like, oh, all of this was hiding in plain sight and now i now i know the truth uh yeah, that guy that patriarchy. broke up with that guy that broke up with me it was a way to deal with scorned relationships too right i mm -hmm. mean like, there's no way you could as a woman you can't apply that to a scorned relationship you know what i mean like yeah. and that's that's what that's what this is with with portnoy i mean it was like essentially these are all women that like a few of them were like his girlfriends like that he was actually like with I mean, I, you know, define whiff when you're a 43 year old guy with an Instagram model, maybe that's a couple of weeks, but still, you know, I mean, it's not just a one night, see you later type situation. And 
I don't, I don't know. Like to me, I, I'm I've been late to the party. You know, what I mean, I, I've been late to the party on this. I remember when when Me Too first said, I'm like, wow, guys are raping at this rate. That sucks. Like that was what I was saying because I'm like, well, yeah, I, 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 I didn't I, do it. Was, yeah, because yeah. because as men, as fucking whatever you want to call us now, just men. I mean, like we're <laughs> we want to not be bad. I mean, like I don't yeah. think men genuinely want to be bad. We're like, okay, if, if women are suffering like this, like what can I do about it? They're like, yeah. well, you can vote Democrat, and you're like, what? 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 <laughs> Ed, Ed Buck was raping black people. You know what I mean? He was a fucking donor. Like he was a legit one of the top DNC donors and he was drugging homeless black people and raping them in his house. You didn't hear about it. It was a one New York Times thing that got bumped to the back of it. And it didn't matter because it was a political ploy. This wait, 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 Joe Buck? Not just kidding. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> no, but, sure yeah, yeah, and Troy Aikman. It was a gang. Yeah. Men, yeah. especially yeah. straight men, have a genetic predisposition to want to help people. This is why, you know, when you see like a, a woman or a dumb faggot like me who doesn't understand something with a car or technology <laughs> or something like a man will just come in and like help uh, to no benefit of his own. And this um, this Sorry, nature, no. this quality in men has been so uh, distorted and exploited over the last 10 years that it is cruel and disgusting and criminal uh, like the, the what they have done to men. And it's, it's very sad. Like, I think straight men in general sympathize with women and want to believe their bullshit a lot more. Yeah. Um, they want to include them in everything. Uh, yeah. Gays having, as I believe, women's brains and men's bodies um, yeah. in the Victorian sense, uh, understand women's yeah. lies and bullshit in 100%. a way. <laughs> without the cloud of sexual desire and like thinking that what they're yeah. doing Straight is cute up. well and there's you're the guy you're the guy that has to stay up with them to, at four in the morning after a bad party you're the one that hears mm. their thoughts and shit like i mean that's always the woman's gay friend that has to stay after the party and like has to help her clean up while she cries and stuff like that i mean yeah. I, at least at least in my anecdotally speaking but and you like, know that yeah. in many situations they have a reptilian lack of morals <laughs> like they don't see things like fucking people over for so, like in a huge public way for something small or just like destroying someone with the press of a button as being unjust if it's like due to this little personal conflict it's all just kind of like they can rationalize it away and men in a way that men generally cannot damn that's, it, i think that's i think that's 100 true too like it's like and it's like to me, like, you know, the the reflex, because I remember when like Me Too came out, like or like really it was like because Me Too, I remember it was like you said, there was a clear definition of rape. But like after a while, they were like, no, rape is like when you like slap a girl's ass, that could be considered rape. Like I remember like that was like changing the definition of things that we knew that racism is the same way. We know what the, yes. everybody knows what racism is. Everybody knows. But like you have to be told, like, you thought you knew racism. Wait for racism 6.0. Like it was like this kind of like thing they were rolling out. Like everything you knew about racism was a lie. And it's the same movie thing. announcer voice. Yeah, with yeah. with rape. It was like the movie phone guy. It was like it was just that was always the way I, I looked at it. And like, you know, the, the I'm from the Bay Area, so I'm like I'm from like just Libtardville and like the the way that just the the way is to like go with it. You're like, well, you know, if this is what this is what they're saying but like like you said as gay men they serve as a bridge almost yeah you have the hermaphroditic insight yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no end game <laughs> there's no end game for you to be a nice guy to women i mean like yeah, be because it, like 
this construction of feminism and the idea of misogyny is designed very cleverly to make it so that any criticism you offer of a woman uh, is morally incorrect. A woman can do no wrong. Yep. Anything a woman, unless she's a Republican. Uh, Straight up. So anything a woman does while still identifying as a Democrat liberal uh, can be chalked up to systemic inequality uh, and a system that caused her to do this. Uh, while men are afforded no such sympathy, everything a man does is considered by society to be uh, just purely based on his evil animal instinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, but a woman, if she like murders her children or something, they say, they say, oh, she was mentally ill. She had postpartum depression. She had a husband that beat her, uh, you know, even like female serial killers, like Eileen Warnos, like in the movies about her, you see, it's always like, oh, she had a, a tragic upbringing where she was beaten and she was a prostitute and this caused her to kill the five men. And <laughs> yeah. you know, my, te- you know, my test, you know, that movie Gone Girl right yeah the film yeah that you always bring that up you're like what do you think about gone girl they're like oh you know that's the real test right there you know that's the yeah she was oh yeah and and gone girl was a really interesting (laughs) thing um that came out in like 2014 as Uh uh woke liberalism was really taking off and it was kind of a throwback to the erotic thrillers of the early 90s that were very um full of biological determinism and kind of like conservative common sense, like fatal attraction, which shows very truthfully uh, what happens when you have an affair with a BPD art hoe. And it's really brutal (laughs) on Glenn Close, the woman. And it was a huge success because everybody knew that it was the truth. (laughs) Like gone girl. Like I remember the Jezebel feminists that I knew were kind of like turned off by they were simultaneously excited by it because they all had read the book, but there was something about the interpretation of it and uh, laying so bare the manipulativeness of this woman uh, that uh, they thought, oh, this is anti-feminist. Yeah, mm. which, which Anti- OK, yeah, I, exactly. Like, I think um, I think what's what's funny about like the uh yeah fatal attraction is an interesting movie because like you said like and i've heard you talk about this on tpn the same way where it's like nowadays like in film which i think is where a lot of people get their takes from like you see especially now like a lot of people are still even though like some states have opened up for uh covid and stuff like that people are still just fucking streaming all day like it's they're they're just they didn't they didn't go back to normal uh, because what if you do anything for a year you're going to keep doing it for the rest of your life until somebody forcefully makes you stop and (laughs) the uh not to you know make that a me too thing but the uh (laughs) the the (laughs) the, uh uh like you'll be seeing like people that dissect these movies where like i was watching there's a show i like and it's kind of like a guilty pleasure that i like um not not guilty because I do think it's funny, but a lot of people will think I'm a libtard for this. But like, I like the show Insecure on HBO. I think it's funny. Like, I think I think I think Issa Rae is funny, and I know some people. I don't, don't know that one, but so I'm watching Issa- all kinds of libtard Hulu media lately. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. It's, they they know they know like that is carefully crafted psyops where you're like, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. watch this dumb shit, and you're like, God damn it, I just watched fucking seven episodes. But it's also been getting better lately. Like that, there has been a kind of tide change where you sense some subversive use of the bean counting diversity measures. Um, <laughs> and it's there's been an interesting twist where uh, white women are now 
the predominant villain and they're always like really demonized and being uh, because of the like Karen meme sure. and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. everything is not like feminist girl power in the way that it was even like three years ago. It's all about like white women being tone deaf. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, so yeah, you can kind of read book. between the lines. Like, um, it, it, like diversity measures are a form of censorship that prevents people from depicting objective reality. Uh, much like the Hayes Code. Uh, that censored movies in the 40s and 50s. And you have to like look past that to see the occasional depictions of subversive truth there. Yeah. And it's it's funny, too, because like you, how you said that too, like white woman being the villain. And I, I don't know if I've seen this in a specific movie, but it's very funny how like it'll be a white woman villain. But like there's a very clear path for her not to be a villain. And that was yeah. the problem with the movie. And that's was deferring like, to the minority. Yeah. And it's like it's like, oh, my God, if she just listened to Regina King. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's always like, their, yeah. their path to redemption <laughs> is that they have to uh, know their status in the pyramid. And that the black woman is above them, and she yeah. is the moral superior yeah. that knows. Taraji P. Henson had the nuclear codes. What did, what was real? She is standing thinking? there with, <laughs> with her crossed arms, <laughs> and she has no time for this white woman's foolery, tomfoolery. Yeah. Exactly, All, and yeah, yeah. it's a, it, and and like like what I was saying about insecure is there's a very funny. Uh, uh, plot point and I, I I've watched every episode of this shit I laugh and Issa Rae <laughs> is one of the biggest fucking libtards of all time but you know what like she understands how to make people laugh and, and I, I could if people want to you know call me a libtard for that that's fine but everybody's got a libtard guilty pleasure I, I know they do um, but anyways she said uh, there was a, a plot character like or there was a little side plot that was happening and they get they it's one insecure is one of those shows where like out of nowhere it'll just focus on like people that aren't Issa Rae for a whole episode. And it'll just be like a um, this one girl who got pregnant by Issa's ex-boyfriend. And they go like two a year later and she's he he got her pregnant and it was just like a little like breakup fling thing that he had with her. And she got pregnant and he was like, well, OK, I'm taking this job in like, you know, San Francisco and you're in L.A. Like, what do you want to do? And she's like, yeah, just, you know, do whatever, do, do, do what you want. You know what I mean? Like, it's, not, you know, I, I got this like and whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, it is like the most fucked up thing, like where he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm trying to be in like my kid's life. And she's like, fuck, no, you weren't here during my whole fucking pregnancy and all this shit. And she's being like this ruthless woman towards this guy. And like at the end, I'm thinking like, oh, man, eventually, like the guys are going to be like in the life like they're going to they're going to eventually uh, rectify this and stuff. And, 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 and then they're like, nope, absolutely not. Like he's just like a fucking horrible father and should be like locked in prison. And that's <laughs> just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, this is the end of this. Like, you're just, uh, it's just, it's a good show, but like you, you start seeing these subplots and you're like, and then you look at like Twitter and you're like, God, people are just mirroring this. Well, a, a big part of the problem is that people currently don't know how to read media as an object. Uh, and it's like, like a self-contained object divorced from the stated artistic intent of the creators. Um, so you'll see all of this PR fluff about how everything is reflecting uh, basic libtard values and it's very like reductive. But if you actually evaluate a piece of media separate from all of that, you can often see so much uh, like subversive truth there, subversive artistic truth. Like I've gotten back into American Horror Story, hardcore, yeah. which is like the last thing I expected to be getting into again because I like, I loved it at first, and then after the Coven oh, yeah. season brought social justice and mixed it in with the Satanism, 
Big I time. like left it in a fury. And then I've been watching the later seasons and they're really good, especially the uh, the election one, the Trump one. Uh, I haven't seen that. I, I, I stopped watching. Oh, after I, the, I've, after I've watched the, yeah. the first three episodes. I'm not done with it yet, but it's fucking amazing. So Sarah Paulson is this rich lesbian in this giant mansion who's like having a nervous breakdown the night that Trump is elected. So it's and nonfiction. This... Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and it's clearly played for comedy. Like, and, and this uh, this leads all of her performative psychosomatic illnesses and phobias to come back like her fear of clowns and her fear of holes and uh she's like you know very scared of like pollution and all of this stuff and the element of horror that's arising is uh her seeing that there's like some truth to what like the trump maga people are doing because she accidentally Uh. kills a uh mexican immigrant named pedro and mm. she and they start calling her the lesbian george zimmerman and, oh, nice. and, and like her worst nightmare is that she's become a maga person like people are mistaking her for a maga person it's it's really fucking clever like wow. yeah that is good yeah uh, i i stopped watching that i stopped watching that show after so i like i watched the coven season and like I, I was like, okay, this is fine. This is entertaining. But I, I and then I got into the uh, the one where Twisty the clown, the guy, the 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 husband from Fargo, uh, is, the, yes. is the clown. And I was like, this was fine. Like I was, I was okay. And then the next season was the Gaga shit, and I was like, nah, dude, this is not it. And she and it showed. Uh, like there was one. It was the first episode. It was the hotel. I think was the was was what it was. And the it rape. Was, Yes, the guy was yeah, getting the, 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 the weird the addiction like, demon. Yeah, the, the, the addiction dildo. came in and he just started like raping this guy. And mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, I, there's been movies forever. Like that's Lindy, if you will, that guys get raped in movies. It happens. Like I'm not saying it's it's not, but it was like very much like a like I don't know. It just it seemed weird. And like there was a there was like a hotep black guy that I worked with, and he was like, yeah, I was watching that shit, and like it was like because it's like 10 minutes into the first episode that happens if i'm not mistaken oh. and the guy goes like yeah i'm out i'm out no, on the show, I, man. I am <laughs> continuously shocked by american horror story it represents a new level of everything a new level of open satanic evil uh celebrating school shootings rape the antichrist with like no morality about it whatsoever a new level of violence none of this yeah. is and like none of this is remarked upon and like like nobody even seems to find it that shocking even though everybody's allegedly so sensitive to rape from the start it's had eroticized rape in yeah. every season and um the level of gore especially in the roanoke one like i'm a person who talks about the foulest movies that have ever been made like melancholy der angle uh, mm-hmm. you know and stuff like this. And it still shocks me that 20 years ago, people were like puking because of the fire hydrant uh, head bashing in and irreversible. And now that is on every network TV yeah. show. And but there cannot be even a glimpse of nipple or sexualized female nudity uh, at all, unless it's some kind of social justice thing. And she's fat. Yeah, I was going to say they have to be ugly. Yeah, yeah, they have to be. But if, if they're just like hot, the last time they did that was Game of Thrones with the with the tits and ass. And that caused a moral panic with the Jezebel people where they were like, this is the most evil thing. 
Yeah, the nobody would be curve. naked in prehistoric time. times. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah, 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 nobody. I'll be curve. back in two seconds. I'm just gonna grab <laughs> yeah. uh, the bottle of vodka. <laughs> Winning. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I love I love the breaks on your show because you gotta my, have breaks, especially if you're gonna podcast that long. Like it's it just becomes. I don't know how people do like hour long shows without peeing or something. Yeah, because like, if you're drinking too, especially like if you're sober, yeah, I get able it. to do like yeah. these three hour shows every week because yeah. we don't care about breaks. So, yeah. well, well, you know, you had you had Eddie on my my one oh. of my one of my dear online friends, I would say. Love I mean, him. it feels weird to say that, but Eddie from Car Crash, he was on our 100th episode. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, he was oh. he just just like what like because I, I listened to your episode. I, I think you came on before we went on there and on Car Crash. And I was mm-hmm. uh, he invited me on and I was like, well, I like this guy. You guys are very funny on the Internet. Let me listen to his show. And then it was I, I listened to the one you're on. I was like, oh, this is for me. Like, this is this is exactly for me. <laughs> but but I he pulled the fucking best prank on you guys when he was like he because uh, Orton is very autistic about audio. And I I mean, I totally agree with it. But he was like, yeah, like Orton always every episode is like, hey, we're going to take a break. Don't press stop because they're recording individual <laughs> audio. And Eddie just goes, oh, f- I press stop. My bad. Like that. And then like, <laughs> like, so it won't line up at all. And like, that's Eddie. That's Eddie in a fucking yeah, nutshell. It's, oh. it, he's amazing. And he and he sells it so well. Like, you're just like, fuck. <laughs> like, I love him. I love, I love car crash. I love podcasts by people who actually like have real jobs as opposed to like nebulous yep. email jobs floating yeah, ads on us, the man. internet. You can really tell the difference. Thought Topics is like that too, where they, oh, they have like real yes. jobs and like something to talk about besides just, I did whatever yeah. I wanted today and <laughs> sent an email. And, um, but yeah, yeah Car Crash is so underrated. It has one of the greatest podcast logos ever. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is my so friend important. thought I died when I yeah. went on there and I, I shared it on Instagram. <laughs> He's like, bro, are you good? And I was like, yeah, it's Car Crash the podcast. He was like, oh, like he was like, oh, I thought that was like, like he didn't think I thought I'd die, but he was like, oh, I thought you like totaled your car on the expressway. I was like, no, what? The, like, you think I'm going to put well, Car yeah. Crash and letters on it? And shit? Great name. And like, the, <laughs> since it's a group of people who have been friends a long time, all of the constant like talk about like parties that they went to yeah, and like, oh, the, the best. Kind of, like mundane domestic stuff. Yeah. That's what you want in a podcast. Yeah. That's what really makes it like enter your mind. Yeah, uh, with what I call the productive boredom, yeah. where it seems real rather rather than this like vacuum sealed like documentary NPR like what we're going to talk about today for forty five minutes with fast editing and all the silence is edited out. Is this <laughs> yeah, no? Yeah. I, I love that just like being privy to discussions of parties that I didn't attend from people oh, I didn't yeah. know. You know, you're like I remember Scott. I <laughs> fuck yeah, yeah dude. I remember Scott. Scott yeah, fucking yeah. Scott. Yeah, but yeah, that, exactly. Um. So uh, my when we when we hit pause for the break, because uh, we were talking about libtard shows, uh, I have a, a take on this. And Sai, go ahead and talk about the show you on Netflix. Jack, have oh, you seen that? Man. Oh, man. It, oh, man. Uh, go, go ahead. You got to watch. Okay. Go ahead. Like, so What's, you... what is it about? What is it about? If anybody hasn't seen it, I don't, you know. So the basic premise is this this guy is like a creepy stalker slash serial killer dude with like a heart of gold and just wants to find love, you know, kind of thing. And that's his whole thing is like he just loves too hard. And uh, and like the first season, uh, you know, spoiler, spoiler alert, uh, the, the first yeah. season he's in New York City. Then the second season, you know, a bunch of shit goes down and he has to move out to L.A. with a different identity. And the fucking third season, he's in this made up fictional town in the Bay Area which is where we're from, you know, which is fucking hella funny. And, uh, but it is pure. I think it's Menlo Park, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it yeah. doesn't exist. Dude. <laughs> but, yeah. but it is pure algorithm. Uh, it's pure, 
trash algorithm shit but it's all but it's, it's just like you said it's like you can't stop watching this shit and i watch it with my girlfriend you know and uh so fucking funny man it is like uh well the thing that really ties the show together you know is like this his whole thing he narrates the whole thing and it's like it's this creepy like he'll be following a chick around and be like what makes you tick i want to know i want to get inside your head but then they use that like narration voice as like a vehicle to put all their like dumb fucking you know like femsplainy bullshit kind of shit it's it's funny you gotta watch it jack yeah like you you will wax poetic on is it. there not I, and people have been talking about that and I, i'll definitely explore that because i'm all yeah, i want it's, now is to not have to make decisions w- and click through menus and agree upon something with my boyfriend like i love having just a show to be like when we watch dinner you can just put on the next episode of the fucking show and know like yeah, let's no watch searching. the first 15 minutes of this movie and see if it's okay. Like, I hate that about streaming yes. that you can never yeah. commit to anything. But if there's a show, then you can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, 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 there was one, and I have not watched this show. It's, uh, it's you know, I'm married, so, like, my wife has a few shows she watches. Um, so, like, she's had it on. And there was one, and I might be getting the story wrong, so, because she was she had a day off. She has, she has a, like, a work schedule where she has, like, one day off during the week and stuff, so I'm working, so she'll have that one binge show like that'll happen and she was watching it and she was like i like this show it's good it's good um and you know like this show is a very you know anti-vax podcast and stuff and and my wife and i share the same sentiment but she said uh there was one in the new season right and it's like i hate when they introduce like covid into a show that's been on like three years already you know oh you saw the you saw the covid one you saw the so there was one and i and Sai, if you've seen this you're gonna have to correct me off of what happened was the the uh there was one where like i guess somebody got like a baby sick was it a baby it was their baby (laughs) it was their baby and they're like and it's a brain dead and so he ends up with this girl and they become like serial killers together you yeah, know what I mean? Exactly, like, like exactly. it's like it's like some natural born killers. They have, they have a baby together shit. and they, yeah. they become serial, serial yeah. killers. And then yeah. all, there's this line. No joke. No line in there where they're like, and some fucking brain dead anti-vaxxer got the baby sick. And then they like kill him. This is so funny. You, this is so funny. We did not plan this at all. Like I know we all we talk about is COVID. We we did not plan this like little energy. <laughs> we guys promise you guys. No, I, 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 told, <laughs> I told Jack when he was coming on. I was like, dude, we're gonna talk about like this one thing, but like there's gonna be shit that comes up, and you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So no, so yeah, the the chosen topic of the show, at least to me, is always just like the platform, the jumping off. Yeah, you know, in my like actor's studio interview, like uh, talking yeah. about the method, the podcasting <laughs> method. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. so this this fucking, now now, this do, episode... now do what's eating Gilbert great for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now... Inside the podcaster studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and we and I, I could I could feel the collective groan from the audience when when that shit aired. You know, because of the or the celebration. Well, well, exactly. Yeah, it was just divided. <laughs> yeah. But the whole thing was was funny. It was like I watched that and I'm like immediately like, hmm. You know, so on my bus ride the next morning, I like pull out the fucking phone and I'm like googling like you know i'm like okay what's the psyop here you know there has to be a fucking there's all this is obviously a fucking psyop and i i check it out and the fucking the showrunner the head writer of the show i shit you not she was like she was like yeah it was actually just a coincidence we wrote this before covid was a thing i'm like bullshit yeah yeah Yeah. she's totally like yeah it just kind of happened you know we just kind of it just came up and like and we ran with it and i was like dude this you've totally got the fucking letter from Whoever, like Fauci, hand wrote that shit or something. Fauci you know what was I mean? like, and cut. That was yeah. great. Thank you. <laughs> oh uh, man, yeah, I, I know that. Um, 
okay, so Grey's Anatomy is still going on. I think it's, oh, like, yeah, it's, it's like 25 season. Yeah. Or it's like oh, fire, yeah. Uh, maybe 15, and I've never watched Grey's Anatomy. I'm curious. I'm sure one day I'll get around to it because I love just things that wear out their welcome and just go on and on for like <laughs> yeah. 14, 15 yeah. years. Hmm. But I think the last season was all about like COVID and just like uh, brain yeah. dead anti-mask people the most amazing one uh that i saw was okay you know the whole roseanne story how they brought her show back and it was a massive success uh and then they killed her off of it uh for being a trump voter with a um uh, with a an opiate overdose um the most pointed pointed plot line they could have possibly done and they continued the show as the connor's and my parents still watch it and it will is occasionally that show what me. that is the yeah Connors? that's what that is and my parents still watch it and they'll occasionally show me an episode and they showed me one from last year where darlene's genderqueer 12 year old son <laughs> gets beaten up by marauding anti-mask children oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing it was the most like i love when propaganda is just that thick it's like yeah yeah like, oh exactly yeah. being like a dumb person and watching you know how like dumb yeah. people who aren't like media savvy like just kind of think everything is like real when they absorb yeah. it <laughs> like not knowing what that is and seeing it like oh god i know that's I know. so funny anti-mask children well it's funny so this you show i was actually watching it with one of my more like covid tarted lib tarted friends you know like and the, even they were like man this show's an algorithm show isn't it i'm like uh yeah <laughs> it's literally gonna, on gonna, netflix yeah i was like yeah so that's funny yeah anti-mask oh, are the bullies dude yeah it's it's the ones telling you you don't have to do something is the bully yeah <laughs> that's the oh bully. that's really funny when like <laughs> yeah. a normie will like that you're being polite around will voice the criticism first yeah, yeah. that happened yeah, to yeah. me recently with uh the, the like American Horror Stories like installment spinoff like I was with like one of my boyfriend's friends who's like kind of a normie and so I you know I I won't say anything about diversity or transgender or whatever and like <laughs> even they know he noticed he was like wow they've really uh just overdone the multicultural casting in this <laughs> i love when the normie says it first I, funny, that. it's yeah. so raw and uncut mm -hmm. too and you're like and it, it shocks you because you're used to hearing the now i'm not like the twitter like <laughs> now i'm not no no i'm not transphobic but yeah, you know yeah, yeah. here's mm -hmm. the thing like i don't know about the bodybuilding thing like and and like it's mm -hmm. it's very funny to me and uh uh yeah exactly that's the case now now Okay. All right. Let's pivot to that. Cause, cause I will say like, you know, Jack, you and I are in a couple group chats and stuff and, and like you were ahead on a lot of this stuff and I'll, I'll be the first one to admit it. Like I, um, it's another concept like with me too, but like transgenderism is the same thing where like, I was just trying to be a nice person where I'm like, well, mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin this person's life. You know what I mean? I don't want to like ruin this person's life if they just want to cross dress and like where, you know, fucking cvs lipstick and stuff like that it's not my problem mm -hmm. but, or it's not my problem but it's also like it's also kind of my problem to make sure they don't kill themselves you know what i mean and like mm -hmm. I, i've come to the thing where it's like okay like well, i don't know what you think of this because like i i've been you know i've always wanted to be like the nice person you know my whole life is like well i don't i don't want to be the person that did something wrong i don't want to be the person that that uh 
that rocked the boat too hard, the straw that broke the camel's back and stuff. But like if if a transgender person, which I would argue that 95% to 98.9% of transgender people are in line with the COVID protocols. Right. Mm-hmm. I think is that For fair sure. to say? Like we would say, like they were like, Oh yeah, Fauci, like science, pharmaceutical. It's like, all one thing. It's thank you. <laughs> it's thank like, you. Shout out to our guy explain. Basil. Shout out to our guy Basil. <laughs> our guy Basil, one of the one, yeah. of, one of my favorites on here. That see it's the same thing. But like, why would I bother to get your pronouns right? Why would I bother to to make sure that you're okay? But where if I'm not vaccinated, you want me fired. You know what I mean? Like, why like you would think like if somebody was truly, you know, n- not a narcissist about their stuff and not a uh, not not making this all about them with the spotlight on them and, and all that, you would think somebody would be like, oh, man, you've got something that goes against the status quo, too. Like, let's go together. You know, <laughs> like, like you've you're not a, you're you don't want to get this vaccine. I don't want to commit to a gender. I don't want to you know, I don't want to conform to society's norms. But it's like, no, like. I'm going to use my shit against you to get you fired. And it's like, it's insane, you know? Yeah. I mean, the the COVID bug pod lifestyle goes hand in hand with the 2010s uh, transgender lifestyle, all based around screens and artifice and dependent on, dependence on government and uh, big pharma. It all goes together. And uh, the COVID PSYOP could not have been conducted uh without many years of preparation for people to be fearful of expressing objective truths publicly um so to make the general population scared to talk about biological gender as a real thing and like childbirth and pregnancy the most fundamental aspects of life to make people scared to publicly talk about that and put them in the made up holding tank, ideological holding tank of the dangerous alt-right white nationalist, ambiguous anti COVID mask, mega threat. Pro Rittenhouse. Yeah. 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 That, that was absolutely necessary. Um, for the deployment of COVID measures, which have, there's the disease itself, which is of course questionable. Like it's a real thing that you get. I got it. Uh, It was undoubtedly made in a lab and is undoubtedly synthetic. Felt synthetic, right? Yeah, it felt synthetic. It felt like I'd had a microchip plugged into me. Mm. Um, There's that reality, but there's also the larger, very intentional, clearly intentional reality of the fact that this is being used for a massive, unprecedented upward consolidation of power and wealth and a total rearrangement of society into an underclass of eternal gender aberrant consumers uh, who are delivering Uber Eats often, uh, immigrants delivering Uber Eats. And then we have the email job class who are contentedly in their apartments. Um, And they they are the upper class. They are the ones who buy into all the libtard propaganda mindlessly. Um, So all of that's true. But the problem in discussing transgenderism is that most people don't understand 
what the 2010s version of that ideology is separate from the reality of natural gender nonconformity, which I'm a person who is naturally gender nonconforming. I've known that I was a homosexual and attracted to men since birth. Uh, Basically, like I literally have memories like of being like three, four years old (laughs) and being attracted to men. And I think that's biologically instilled and that's natural. Um, And I was all I also gravitated towards girls, as most homosexuals do. And uh, I was comfortable around girls. I was comfortable in the female world. And then you hit puberty and you become interested in men. You want approval from men and you want to surround yourself with men. Uh, The difference is how you deal with that gender nonconformity. And 2010's transgenderism is a political ideology, uh, a propaganda ideology with a specific set of values contained within. And I've observed it since it started in the late 2000s, early 2010s on Tumblr and built into this ideology is the idea that no one should have to work if they are transgender. Society owes them <laughs> Damn. Uh, through society owes them through GoFundMe's and uh, Patreons and all of this. They have to be bankrolled and funded by everyone else. And there's always a, um, a domino chain Rube Goldberg machine series of misfortunes that prevents them from just holding a job, which Let's face it, right now, any company will immediately hire any transgender person because they yeah. want to fill that diversity quota. Absolutely. But they, they might put them on a commercial, too. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when women are in charge, the women want to show off show off their uh, broad-mindedness by having these transgender people around. Um, so that resentful GoFundMe ideology is there. And there's also... They go on the computer and they learn how to perform cancel culture, which I see as an explicitly sexual ritual. Um, It's Mm. like a witch hunt sexual ritual, like very Puritan. And they relentlessly harass anyone who uh, is a threat to their ideology. Absolutely. And just... There's so much more to say about it. The fact that this is being pushed because it's profitable to everyone, it's profitable to big pharma, it's profitable uh, for Democrats to have it's profitable to CVS. You have men buying fucking wigs. I mean, I'm it's sorry, products, like, products, like... products, yeah, and yeah. therapy and surgeries. And there's always the far off in the distance mirage like goal of finally not having gender dysphoria and finally being the full woman that you want to be. And it never happens. And this is why there are so many suicides because they realize that that's a futile goal that you, you, if you don't accept the body that you were given, then your life is going to go nowhere. (laughs) If you think that you can alter reality and alter the past and alter how everyone else perceives you and their memories of you, you're never going to be happy. Damn. That's the interesting so, thing. Yeah, go ahead. So you can be a as gender nonconforming in terms of presentation or whatever, or pronouns, whatever you want to do. Uh, but that is separate from the belief that you can alter reality and alter everyone else's reality, which is a satanic power. You can't yeah. do it. Damn. That's why it ends in darkness. 
Fuck. But it's profitable for everyone. It's pro- it's profitable. Transgenderism was deployed right after gay marriage was legalized because gays gays no longer served a purpose for fundraising as the dominant minority for Democrats. So several months later, you saw the deployment of all the Jezebel articles saying gay men need to examine their own misogyny. Gay men are privileged and white. Suddenly gay men were the villain. You're straight. Yeah. I mean, like essentially to them, you're straight. I, I like, it's Yo, like, yeah, I noticed mm. that trend, the whole, yeah, the whole, like it gay men became the misogynistic villains. Too. Yeah. I, 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 and I was kind of like, well, it's cause they know happens. the secret. They know the secret too. That's mm. the, like what we were they talking about earlier. The yeah. They, yeah. Know the secret. And you know, I also know that if I were a child currently and I liking all of the girly stuff that I did, I would have a well-meaning libtard 29 year old, woman instructor telling me that i was a girl do you do you follow um who's that abigail schreier the one that wrote the book the journalist you know who i'm talking about uh no i don't know she's like yeah she, I, I know you're talking about yeah yeah well we're gonna talk about her but she wrote a book on it just being like yeah we're we're kind of concerned for the young girls in this generation maybe following more of like a, a fad than a real like real gender identity based thing, you know, well, and of course, like banned from Amazon, banned from fucking, you know, all the bookstores. And, and she and she's of, a radical and she's a radical feminist, like probably a second wave. Like, that, yeah, Sanger, exactly. Sang, or not Sanger. Oh, sorry, that's that might be a first wave. But uh, the uh, um, what, who am I talking about? Gloria Steinem, the CIA chick uh, that that, that <laughs> yeah, the um, I can't remember which side. Gloria Steinem goes where the wind blows. Like they've had to get rid. They've had to get rid of all the older feminists because uh, the older feminists were very much against the idea of biological men entering their spaces. Or why wouldn't you be? Of course, it's common sense. So, but did they not not create that? Did they not create that though? I will say that they created it. They, um, like they, when you when you when you put a, such a premium on being a woman, does that not create like a, a situation where you reduce men down to like, you know, I know, Jack, you have the stray dog theory, the stray animal theory, which I love. Mm-hmm. But but like, does that not reduce men to just like, well, OK, like maybe I should just be a woman. then? You know what I mean? Like like the, when you put such a premium on that, if you create that slippery slope, can you be mad if anybody follows that slippery slope and skis oh, down a- it? Absolutely. And all of this stuff goes hand in hand it forms a massive network of ideology where the only acceptable outlet for straight men is to become this clown-like charade of a woman where you're suddenly applauded by society you can be sexual women will want you in their presence as a sort of useful minority to signal things to society um you can then you then have all this freedom where before that you would have just been a nerd incel alt-right white supremacist freak typing furiously in your sweaty Mountain Dew basement or saluting. Um, yeah. And you see that's the straight transgenders of which most of them are now. They're straight men. Um, they're all nerds. They're all like the, there's a very clear path uh, from malcontent like kind of non-conforming not conventionally like chat or athletic maleness to being unpopular with women and finding women intimidating and also being demonized in every way by society to suddenly being having this path to attention and praise and uh this very clear-cut 
ideology that v- briefly gives you direction in your life. And I saw it happen. Like when I worked in the erotica sweatshop, there was like a, a reeking nerd incel hobbit like guy <laughs> who was surrounded by bottles of Dr. Pepper every day with holes in his clothes. <laughs> and, and, and it he, like stink lines coming off of him, like Linus from the peanuts. <laughs> and every, he, everybody was repulsed by him. And next thing you know, he quit that job and he started calling himself, I think, like Amanda or something and dyed his hair pink once and didn't change his appearance otherwise. And he got all of these writing gigs, writing about video games (laughs) Uh, and all this attention. And he started to go fund me to like replace his rotten teeth. And it's it's a path to power. It's an easy path to power. And also, I'm sorry that in the, same way that the definition of rape is so far in the past, no one even everybody pretends not to know what that is. Uh, the definition of transgenderism or gender nonconformity, whatever this is, is such that now it's this viral ideology that affects you from looking at screens too much, uh, from looking at TikTok too much. And it has no requirements of surgery, of like presenting as a woman, of anything. It's just you make a deal after you see this ideology online that you are now a gender non-conforming person and you can do whatever you want. And it, it, there's no cost to you. You can just be non-binary, whatever. And look at, look what they've done with Demi Lovato, who is, Mm. was just a a freak, just kind of like this (laughs) drug addled freak. And now they're giving her a show (laughs) and she's just a woman. She's just a woman. She's non-binary. She's a fat chick. Yes. She's a fat chick woman. Yeah. Yeah. She should have transitioned into softball lesbian, which is the real transition. You know what I mean? Lesbians are extinct now because of transgenderism. Because all the the natural butch lesbians think they're men born in women's bodies. We've heard that on this podcast before. That's amazing. No, straight up. Like like the WNBA is the same way. I'm sorry to cut you off side, but like the the WNBA is the same way, like in in sports, like women's basketball, right? Nobody watches that shit. Nobody can dunk. It's not fucking exciting. Like, (laughs) no, it's true. And, And like the only people that watch it, guess what? Men. Men watch the WNBA more than anything. There's men who are obsessed with basketball that can't get enough with the NBA. It's like the same guy who watches all the mainstream movies and is like, well, let me start watching these indie flicks. It's the same concept where they're like, let me start watching these student films. Let me start watching this. It's like, I'm a high school basketball coach. I'm a basketball junkie. Let me watch this. And women will complain every single time the WNBA championship comes on. Why doesn't anybody watch this? Why don't these women make any money? Why don't you watch it? You know what I mean? It's the same concept. And like the only people that watch... WNBA is like black dudes that coach basketball in high school and they're just <laughs> basketball junkies or softball lesbians. But guess who's going extinct? Mm-hmm. Softball lesbians. Like and, it, and it's like the, the solutions to these problems are so funny. But I, I had a question uh, for you, for you, Jack. You play. I, I, I listen to TPN, um, but you you you've played vid- you're a video game guy, right? Like you've, you've played. Um, yeah, I, I was really, really into them uh elementary school middle school early high school and i'm generally really into them like I've, i had a kind of like renaissance a few years ago where i was playing the old ps1 era games okay. and um but i i love video games and I, I would play them all day if i had time it's just sure <laughs> absolutely my wife my <laughs> like, wife i just never binged, am able to play uh, them. they made spyro for switch again and my wife's just been like been like been on her days off just going off mm-hmm. on on spiral but but the uh um so the create a player concept, there's no way 
that all these people, because every time I see like a transgender thing, you always see it in the gaming community. In the gaming community, they're queer phobic. The gaming community is not inclusive to trans people, which leads me to believe that a lot of trans people are from the video game, internet, Tumblr world. This create a player concept. I was the other day, I was playing a little sports game and I was creating my own basketball player. And guess what? Five minutes into that, I realized I didn't like the basketball player I created. I was like, man, this guy sucks. I don't really mm-hmm. like this guy. Let me create a new player. You know what I mean? Like, let me let me create a new wait, guy. Wait, what's the create a player? So, like, create a player. Like, like, okay, you you start like I, they have this in those RPG games too, but they didn't really have it in PS One. They didn't really have it like when when we, we were growing up. But like the newer like PS Two on create a player is like okay, like this is your player in the game whether it's like an RPG where it's like, oh, I'm oh create, yeah, like, I always it. hated that. I hate open world and I hate uh, like I, I love Japanese role playing games where you're playing a character. But I almost wonder that. OK, there you go. I'm actually the same way. But mm-hmm. the the I wonder if like how much that has an effect on like transgenderism to where like these people grow up like, oh, I don't really like this guy. Let me create somebody new. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, be, being being all of it has so much to do with just being like too plugged in um but like the two paths that you're offered uh, being a reviled incel who could uh, burst into violence at any moment and then being the beloved transgender saint who has all these career opportunities open up for them who doesn't have to work who can just keep refreshing the gofundme page for like money for anything like which path are you going to choose it's obvious. what about what about you what i i i like you know we, we've talked like the 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 dave Chappelle. i don't want to necessarily talk about dave Chappelle because that's been beat to death but like the the my one trans friend thing oh yeah i mean that's a big so the function of the dirtbag left uh is to keep people aligned with thinking that being a democrat means you're a good person and it's to keep people aligned with the Democrat Party. Uh, so they use this veneer of fake edginess where they appropriate little like right wing memes that are laundered for them and are really late, uh, like Epstein, satanic pedophile, elite, uh, Pizzagate, all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff to give this. And they offer occasional like uh, they'll say retard and you know faggot and yeah, yeah. like little signifiers of edginess and uh, but their root cause is to and their job is to reroute you to the democrat party no matter what um so the dave Chappelle special was this massive example of that where it's this planned corporate uh artificial controversy where this black libtard shrill black libtard man who i can't stand and have never liked and have never thought was funny i thought i always thought he was grim and humorless well he in his three netflix specials has offered a little a sentence or two of mild criticism of the escalating trans problem which he then follows up apologetically with but that's not my experience so i can't really talk um, and that's been clear from the very first one that he did. Uh, and in the latest one, he brings up this dotted line, imaginary, apocryphal, cool trans friend, which is a useful 
archetype for dirtbag leftists to avoid addressing the endemic problems of transgender ideology and the truth of how it has spread and what it really is. Because there's always the off-screen, cool, normal trans friend who they can never give many details about, but it usually turns out that they're exactly the same and they have agoraphobia and can't hold a job and all of this stuff, uh, all these mental problems. But there's the cool trans friend who might be like someone you exchanged a few civil words with on Twitter. So then you cannot criticize the ideology itself because you have this cherry picked example of one person who is okay, <laughs> who because yeah. of the time they live in has gone along with this. And it's ridiculous. And it, that was all planned with that Chappelle special. Um, yeah, can we, yeah. you know, you're like, you're describing like, I want to, I want to, I want you to diagnose like it's, what you just said is like a friend. That I, <laughs> I want, I, I want to dig into this a little more. Cause this is like hella crazy. Like listen to this shit. Cause I, uh, if I may steer it in that direction, if you mm-hmm. guys are okay with it. Yeah. So yeah, I, you know, I have this friend, it's like, okay. Like, you know, lesbian chick. Right. You know? And I'm like, okay. You know, we, we instantly hit it off kind of thing. And, and then after a while they were like, kind of you know they're like yeah you know like I, I get the the body dysmorphia thing like you know I, I feel like I have like a like something like a phantom phallus thing like phantom dick and I'm like like yo I can understand that I get that you know it's like we're all you know you know like that, that could be a totally thing but they were super and without me even prompting it without knowing what I felt about this they were like they were dropping like Rogan takes like you know like fuck this pronoun shit I think this shit's bullshit I think it's all veneer all this stuff like that and I was like very cautiously in the back because you know i say quiet about this stuff in normal life mostly you know and i'm like i'm like yeah i agree with you you know it's like i i you know like they made me feel safe for like you know expressing like yeah like i have doubts about this this whole thing like we're talking about now and then like maybe like you know six months a year later they're like you know starting to like take the testosterone right and starting to um you, you know like and they're like Yo, I was wrong before. I com- I've com- I've did a com- in their words like I've done a complete 180. Now I'm on this train, changing the pronouns, stuff like that. And they're like, they're like, I can't believe anyone would think the way that I used to or whatever. I'm like, what do you mean? You used to think that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like literally, like it's like you. That was you, like less than a year ago. And what you said about you know like struggling with with life and agoraphobia and stuff like that like to a t so it's just it's funny like it's like and the whole thing is like okay yeah like we're still friends but i'm, I'm not trying to like juggle my whole ideology to like please one person kind of thing you know like it, yeah. it's not you know so like anyway so that's very pertinent what you're saying oh uh, yeah i mean like, you'll see how the ideology affects your friendship because it's this dude yeah. all consuming it's the it's the perfect propaganda tool because the second someone can say oh there's the real normal functional cool trans friend you cannot talk about this massive ideological problem which has invaded forcefully every aspect of civilization and is harmful extremely harmful like the change things like changing language changing where it's going to hit women you know women women are white liberal women of course were instrumental in spreading this stuff a few years ago 
But now when it comes to describing breastfeeding as chest feeding and saying that pregnancy and childbirth are not a female experience that you can't even talk about that. That's where it's going to hit women and they will realize what they're dealing with because of course there are tons and tons of people who have been victims of this ideology because of the time that we live in, which is bombarding them from every screen. And especially during the last two years of COVID where, you know, the first year you were only allowed to not leave your house and look at the screen all day, which was deliberate. Um, Especially because of that, uh, this is a, it's offered as a catch all reason if children ever feel sad about anything in their lives, if they ever feel sad about the conditions of modernity or mad at their parents, you have these evil psychologists, these experts telling them mm-hmm. that it's because they were born in the wrong body. Yeah. And anyone with two eyes can see that this has spread virally. Like everyone's child was not suddenly, naturally, organically born in the wrong body in the span of 10 years. Straight up. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's just a kind of like my whole thing. I'll bring up like the whole like, you know, I th- I think it's a real phenomenon, but I, I don't think fucking like fifteen percent of of elementary school kids are trans, which is like or like ten percent, which is what you know these like they'll like survey them, and be like, okay, how many of you are trans? And like ten percent of the kids will raise their hands. Like, Literally, sorry, Joe Rogan's da- Joe Rogan's daughter, he said, has has seven or he had like four or five non-binary girls in her class her 30 person class he's like that's not real he's like that's not real and he got killed for that it's the crucible it's tituba it's it's girls having witchcraft fits during a moment (laughs) of moral panic that's what it is i'm not kidding i'm not i know you're not i just haven't it's it's this this dirtbag left gatekeeping where they say Okay, I see your problems with the excesses of this. The there are just a few visible extremists, trans extremists online, who are making the whole movement look bad. But my cool trans friend off screen, who has agoraphobia and can't hold a job, and uh, has all these Seat other belts problems. are an issue in cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like uh, that means that we cannot discuss the problem that is happening right now in any way. So that's the function of that. And that's why I attack that so strongly. And it seems like brutal to people uh, because they not having thought about this is like as much as people like me who have like been openly gay since they were like 14. uh, They just think of it as a thing of being nice. They think of it like yes. you, like you said, Glenn. It's about being nice. Like, it's it's not about being nice to people. It's yeah. it's it's a massive civilizational crisis. Yeah, and on a friendship <laughs> on a friendship level, when when you're when you're trying to be nice, that instantly makes you less cool of friends. You know what I mean? When when there's uh, that element of like of a sexuality and b possibility of offense to happen. That's like boom. You're instantly not. You're, that's like one level notch lower in in the, the in the level of friendship where you can't just like you, you have to police. You can't be say, real anymore. Can't be real. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like I definitely have. have and have, that happened to me early on because the first person that I knew that I, I'd known since I was 
13, 14, and I'd known him this whole time. He was like an okay friend. Everybody knew he was kind of annoying. And he was like sort of bisexual, mainly interested in girls. But when he went to college, he was an early adopter of the Tumblr trans ideology. And suddenly no one could offer a single criticism of him. And he was winning awards for black and white pictures of him shaving his legs with like a trail of blood going down the leg, all of this and, and posting, you know, they love posting like surgical gore and like colostomy bags and like pus draining from the wounds, all of this. And I hung out with him plenty after he transitioned and I called him the preferred name and pronouns and everything. But at one point, uh, I said the word hermaphrodite and I was looking at the VHS uh, cover of prom night. And I said, Jamie Lee Curtis was a hermaphrodite, which is true. <laughs> and, yep, um, yep. and uh, he said, he started crying and said, that's not a word that you can use. You cannot use that word. And then, you know, this friendship was broken up. There's always that point, which is just this mild thing, this mild observation. Uh, like you can't interact normally. And that's why it's this, perfect political tool because it just instills fear everywhere and you know i I have seen another one of my friends who's like a tall attractive naturally butch girl very androgynous looks like 60s bob dylan like she looked really cool Mm -hmm. and she was just a lesbian and moved seemingly she moved to california and now has the GoFundMe to get her breast removed and oh. <laughs> taking testosterone and like I, you know I still yeah. like her. It's just this this well, isn't here, here's necessary. Crazy, here's the crazy, and I'm I'm really not trying to like harp harp my friend here. I'm just trying to dig into this, but like they were taking testosterone, and now they're not. And they said like recently they're like you know what I think I have a feminine soul. And I'm like, yo, like, what the fuck? Like, I'm so, I'm so confused. <laughs> You're sick. Like, yeah. No <laughs> one should be like, thinking <laughs> about themselves that much. <laughs> That's the thing. That's this massive problem with gay men, especially. Like, this is why gay men need straight friends. Because when you have straight yeah. friends, your friendship is based around an activity or a shared interest, <laughs> which yeah. makes you a better person. Because it, it, there's something abstract for you to discuss or do with that person. When gay men are friends with each other or with women, all they do is gossip and talk about themselves. And they are their view of culture and society and human existence never goes beyond divas, 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 and gossip, gossip, gossip. <laughs> and <laughs> and th- this, this navel-gazing, this transgender navel gazing where all you think about is your own gender it is the most unhealthy thing that you can possibly do everyone knows that if you're depressed the solution to that is to go to work or get something done clean the house yeah distract yourself be productive in some way and this ideology is so built around stewing in your own misery and thinking about something that doesn't fucking matter your perception of your own gender yeah, I, I agree 100 percent. And like like now the crazy thing about this is what happens when this is no longer politically useful. Right. Like what happened when transgenderism, because the same way, you know, I, I'm from the Bay Area and Proposition 8 was a huge thing was was gay marriage in California. It was one of the I, I, I want to say it was one of the first 
things of like gay marriage, like a politically activist thing where they where they've said, okay, gay marriage is not a it doesn't say that a man has to be married in a woman here. And then the Republicans had to counter with, oh, well, we want to create an amendment that marriages between a man and a woman and then you would vote on that it passed with flying colors right because at the end of the day gay marriage like i i've i've never really pushed back on that that doesn't really affect me it, it just doesn't gay people want to be left alone and want to be happy but now transgenderism requires legitimately a doctor right the to total right. reorganization of society so what happens when they're not useful anymore what happens when you're not you don't have the spotlight so, on you i'll like, tell you what's going to happen is there is going to be a massive renunciation of this trend in a few years when these people grow up and the ones who don't continue believing in it which by the way this just sets you on a path to suicide uh, this is why yeah. suicide is so such an epidemic among the trans population, because you have been given a goal that is unattainable. Uh -huh. uh, you can never change your biological gender. You can never alter reality. So there's going to be a massive renunciation of this um, and a move toward conservatism. And all of the people who were victims of this ideology and screwed up their bodies and spent tons of money, uh, wasted their lives, alienated their families, destroyed their families. They're going to be really angry about it. And all of the people like us, like you and me, who were early critics of this and who were correct about it at the start uh, are not even going to be mentioned. <laughs> like straight up. That, that's how it is with all of this. All, all these political stuff, trends. You're, right. you're demonized for saying it first. And you remain demonized as it becomes safe for everyone else to say it in a few years. And they, they just no naturally feel, yeah, they, they no longer risk anything. And it's the so, same thing with COVID and everything mm -hmm, like, like with us, like, yeah. like, and you were the same way, like with us, like we were, we were right on COVID early and it doesn't matter until fucking Glenn Greenwald says it. It doesn't yeah, matter. Glenn until Greenwald will say it. And then the dirt, that is the cue for the dirtbag left to then be critical of COVID. And it's eight months after it matters. Yeah, it's uh, damage is done, but that's cool. Uh, enjoy all the content creation that came of it. Mm -hmm. uh, enjoy the retroactive, like, wow, who shot JFK? Because like, they're preserving I, yeah. the idea that being a Democrat liberal is still it still means being a good person. Yeah, they're Democrat real time the Republican Party. retroactively. Like, like that's why these psyops all appear in different but very familiar guises every election season, where there's a new form of like a new entity telling you that you don't need to vote or you need to vote Democrat. Even if you have these like based doubts about what's going on, voting isn't real. And, uh, you know, Andrew Yang was the biggest psyop like that, where suddenly all the, all the guys who uh, believed that they had gotten Trump elected suddenly renounced Trump and we're like, oh, we're on board with Yang gang. And, you know, Pedro Gonzalez is another one of these. Talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah. Pedro Gonzalez is this, uh, this, uh, he's on Tucker. This guy's on literally on Tucker. Yeah. You know, cause the conservatives are more affirmative action, even than liberals conservatives want to be liked so much that they will see, they will just, you know, in passing, see like what seems to be like based hispanic guy and they will <laughs> fast track him to tucker carlson and uh what he actually is is this 
thing that appeared last election season to bitch about Trump. And he uses all of these uh, dated 2015 alt-right talking points that are very like emotionally charged, emotionally moving, like a drag queen story hour is one that I always make fun of where the conservatives pretend that like drag queen story hour is this like thing affecting every school (laughs) and what it is is something that barely that has almost never happened and it's like there's that one picture of it where Mm -hmm. the drag queen looks satanic and it's talking to the child and that emotionally moves people because people want to blame gay men sodomites for all degeneracy in society this is an age-old thing where where blaming gay men with the specter of anal sex which excites and disgusts everyone Mm -hmm. for the decline of society uh works on liberals it works on conservatives um they don't have to differentiate between transgender and gay they don't have to blame women yeah, uh, but that's really important for straight men is to mm. never blame women for anything because straight men love believing women are innocent, beautiful creatures who have just been misled. <laughs> uh, the child, child, like a dog creatures. somewhere. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, he comes on with these like emotionally appealing, dated alt right talking points that show how like conservative he is. And then his message at the end of the day is. Trump and the Republican Party are so bad and so corrupt, you must never vote Republican. Uh, But he makes all these excuses for Democrats and for Biden. And it's clear 100% exactly what he is. A communist psyop threat. And I clocked that from the minute he appeared. I, I, that, I joined that group chat late right after that happened. And I was like, whoa. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, I was like literally the day after I like, they added me, they're like, Hey, let's add this guy. He's nice. And like, and like, and then all of a sudden, like, like all of a sudden they were like, you know, Pedro, this Pedro, I I don't like know a lot about the guy, but like, honestly, it's, it's, who knows if he even knows he's a psyop. Like, yeah. I think a lot of like feds and psyops don't know what they are. They're going through life like the protagonist no, of like the early funny Woody Allen. You don't have movies, to pay him. like sleeper and bananas. Like you can get free labor if somebody <laughs> thinks they're doing a good job. Now, the, the funny thing about that is, is like if you want to find a base Hispanic guy, literally go anywhere. Yeah. All like, literally like, like, all don't, white don't, nationalists yeah, are Mexicans. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> the only like, like the, the only white national the only real Nazis are all Mexicans. Yeah, no, like they go off. Like, yeah. like, no, like they they like they go off and like you can go anywhere. Like, I don't understand the idea is like we need to find this academic guy. It's like, no, literally go to a This academic lot. guy with no charisma whatsoever. Go to a who has it has like a the closety, like D- Philip Jeffries, Twin Peaks, like gay conservative, <laughs> who's like, ooh, him. Uh, he's going for yeah, yeah. I'm only you on season exactly two. Is that the guy happened. who is that the guy who had the 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 paternity issue with the other cop? Where they uh, didn't know who's baby. Philip Jeffries was, was David Bowie in Fire Walk with Me. Okay, so I haven't seen Fire Walk with Me yet. I'm only on season two. I'm uh, yeah, watching. I'm it, watching. I Lindsey Graham. Uh, Lindsey Graham is Philip Jeffries. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, you know, Lindsay, right. like just a kind of like decrepit, like a uh, Disney haunted mansion, <laughs> yeah. kind of like old ghostly closeted yeah. gay. I know. It's um, so funny. To, like we, we're trying so hard. We're looking under every piece of furniture to find a based Hispanic guy. Like I just, there I are tons that. of them. They're just all openly <laughs> racist and say the N word. <laughs> oh man. Shit. Jack, 
I think that's going to do it for us tonight, but um, you'll have to come back on sometime. Cause that no, was, yeah, please. That was fantastic. Yeah, please, yeah. please come on TPN as well, dude. I would be fucking honored. Give me an assignment. <laughs> give both of us an assignment. Give yeah. us a cent. I, I, yeah. I, I, when I listen to the show and this is going to sound super cringe, I listen to the show and I'm like, give me like, what scent would Jack give me? Like what, like what one, <laughs> like, and it sounds like super fucking gay. I don't care, but I'm like, what move, what film would he give me? I want like, cause he, cause Jack likes to torture his guests. He's like, you won't like this. You know what I mean? And well, like, since y'all are into sports, I want to do a sports movie. There dude, are like, you know, what's a good movies. one. You know, what's a good one. I haven't seen it yet, but my dad is super new. It's called everybody's all American. I want to, or, uh, I'm, I'm sure there are lots of, uh, there's a Warren Beatty movie from the seventies. Uh, slap like, Paul Newman slap. Oh, it's do, a really good slap shot. I haven't seen it since I was in eighth grade. But oh, it's love, so good. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Let's do that. Okay. No joke. Let's Let, do let's do yeah. That. Season four. I would, I would love to do that. Um, uh, We're available at any time. Like, like, please all right, no, let's so. do it. Yeah. yeah oh, that was great good. guys. Thank you. Uh, I know Jack, you're not a big like and subscribe guy, but uh, if you do want to plug your stuff, go ahead. If not. No oh problem. yeah, please uh, like, and subscribe. Uh, Patreon.com slash perfume nationalist. And there are tons of uh, free episodes on Apple podcasts and Libsyn that you can uh, dip into, but in order to get the complete continuing yes. narrative of the perfume nationalist was, which is essential to really understand it. You have to subscribe on Patreon. Yeah. You'll see former rare candy guests on there too. A few, quite a few of them on there and uh, um, slap slap shot with Paul Newman would be fantastic. That's all be awesome. Uh, yeah. My right. boyfriend showed that to me recently and I was like, Oh, this is so Dude, good. It's fucking incredible. Mo like, Melinda Dillon from Christmas stories, yeah. just like massive tits. Like if you do, if great. you do, if you do that and major league, I, I can spurg out. I got to watch Charlie. major league. I'm sure I'd like, Oh, it. Yeah. dude, you're an eighties guy, dude. Charlie Sheen, vintage Charlie Sheen, vintage uh corbin berenson like or mm. berenson oh my god yeah. it's unbelievable and i can't remember who the chick is that you watch it for the sports i watch it for the hot guys i'm not gonna yeah. lie i can respect male beauty as all I'm yeah saying. yeah but uh I, you know i don't want to fuck them but you know it's just yeah it's just everybody like, can I, i'm an athlete dude i'm beauty, literally yeah. when you like sports you can respect a great athlete which is like 60 percent being gay like mm -hmm. it's like you're you're, you're that 40 well, percent's a lot that you're, the, you're missing but like the athleticism is what is missing when you're gay like that's the thing that you always want is the natural athleticism i know yeah gay men are so it. rigid when they move it's so mm -hmm. funny sometimes but yeah <laughs> either that or they float yeah I don't yeah know. and yeah. i can't like throw i like i played football two years and i you i did was your biggest fuck i would love yeah that. I, I was 18 like... first string and i i still have no idea how to play football i was just like right tackle and like yeah. i was really bad but i was i've been six go four, find the ball yeah go find the ball you know that since was, i was yeah. uh like 13 so obviously they put me out there fuck yeah all right jack perfume national shout out orton to a uh, great podcast i i anybody i'm sure we do have crossover listeners if you don't uh please go ahead and check that out but uh yeah jack thanks again man this was great thanks guys that was yeah, great thank you all right man sounds good